Yo, this is Caesar Walker, the cool, calm, and collected one, and I'm joined by none other than Ronnie Gatry, the emotional one. And we are the Tipping Point Podcast, your source for sophisticated ignorance, intellectual stupidity, and well articulated nonsense. <laughs> And all that means is we're just having honest conversation and speaking our minds. This is what episode forty nine, Gad? Oh nine. Four nine. We're four nine. we're gonna inch and crawl to episode fifty, I think. But anyway, before we yeah. even get to that, we want to shout out our listeners. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes and you rock with us, please give a comment, feedback, rank us, subscribe to us, all the good stuff. If you're listening to us on Spotify and SoundCloud, please follow us there. And we know you guys have POVs. We know you guys are listening to us and talking back to us, which I don't know why you're doing that because we can't hear you. So drop a comment in the SoundCloud on the episodes that you like and that you're that are resonating with you and uh, continue to support and show love to us. Um, Gat, give okay. them the website, please. The Tipping Point, that's T-H-A, tippingpoint.com. T-H-A, not T-H-E, not T-H-I, not T-H-O, T-H-A. That was really confusing. You just confused me slightly. But <laughs> uh, tippingpoint.com. Thank you, sir. <laughs> How are you? Walker, I am, I'm doing fantastic, man. I am glad to be back in the booth with you. My apologies for, for the delay. Uh, oh, I was, I was, hey, uh, hey, huh? hey, we're not what? doing that. We're not uh, doing we're this. Not? We're not. We're, we're not? not. Why are we not doing it? You don't apologize when you don't do things wrong. Okay. Right? So, sure. You know, like, I can't say, Walker, I'm sorry for greeting you when you walked into the Rudy other day. I did nothing wrong. Okay. Okay. So there's no need for you to apologize. Well, we were out last week and I was on vacation uh, with the wifey having a grandiose time um, at the beach. <laughs> Um, you know, normally we celebrate, we celebrate our anniversary later this month. We had stuff going on early in the year. And so this was our time, which so glad it it was so perfect. So perfect because usually this is hurricane season. And so it can get a little iffy. And with that, so the weather was perfect. Great times. Got recharged and uh, I'm back, man. Good deal. Glad to have you back. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you, sir. And and it's funny because, um, uh, our crew's head on vacation next week so, or this week. I guess we're recording on a Sunday. That's so, what I'm saying. We're, yeah. we're going to limp to episode 50. We're going to get there eventually, but you I know. see what you meant now. Yeah. Um, but Walker, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, let, let me share something with you, man. You, you know, my oldest son, YG. I know uh, that guy. Great. <laughs> Good little kid. He's a big fan of yours, by the way. Um, so he's playing soccer, right? And we talked about the dynamics between behind soccer and all the houses, a new experience. Y'all have had two games by now? Two, yeah. He had a second game yesterday. And so um I was prepared to record this episode sharing how my son is not good at soccer and how he's just not into it. Well, he must have gotten hold of my recording notes and read them and used that as motivation because my boy showed out yesterday walker he showed out really now really. and as a result you showed walker out. you better believe it <laughs> dude my uh my in-laws were in town they came down for the game and of course uh my parents were the game too my my, my son's got great support that, that that's never an issue okay. but um they he, he loves playing goalie right because and does he now the only reason he likes <clears throat> is because you get to wear these bright yellow gloves and so as soon as they put the gloves on him, he has to take a minute or two and stare at the gloves. A issue, but yeah, yeah or a reason. He has to stare at the gloves, and it's like, behold the power or whatever. You know, it's like, it's so weird. 
But he stares at him. These gloves must protect this net. Right, right. And, gotcha. he, and you could just see him amping up, right? <laughs> so he gets out there, Walker, and um, I yell out, ready position, which means, you know, hands on your knee or, you know, knees bent, you know, whatever. Right. Find the ball, whatever. Dude, the other team we played, played against was really good. So their best player, uh, I think he's our captain or whatever, he's coming down. On, I don't know what you call it in soccer, but it's kind of like a fast break, right? Okay. And it's just my boy and this guy, mano y mano, or, or boy versus boy, I don't know. <laughs> Walker, my heart is racing. I'm like... Are you in the stands or like you're like up standing up? Like no, what, what, there are no position? stands. Like you, this, you you bring like your own seating and you sit right around the field. Yeah, so we're on we're on kind of like the sideline, if you will. Gotcha. So Walker, I see this and I got I got my phone in my left hand and I'm thinking it's recording. Didn't record anything because I just I, you know how emotional I get. And Walker, I feel like I wasn't breathing. <laughs> so this kid this kid launches it. Great kick, hits my boy in the chest. Right, mm-hmm. my boy has a presence of mind that the ball he's from the chest goes to the ground. My boy has a presence of mind to shake off whatever stunning he has from that. Mm-hmm. Kid is running at him, trying to rebound and tap it in. Dude, he falls on the ball like a fumble, like you should do. Nice. <laughs> Ref blows the whistle. Walker, I lose my mind. <laughs> you don't even remember what happened after no! that, no, dude, Walker. I had my shades on, but dude, there were so many tears running from my eyes. Tears of joy, man. Excuse me, black guy. Can you remove yourself from the soccer field? <laughs> you know what's funny? Because we we were we were right next to the parents of the other team. Right. And you know, I'm just letting everything like, you know, Friday you said that. I'm just going crazy. And um, I glanced at this woman who's in this tent right next to me. She's she's kind of got this look on her face like. Who let this guy in? I don't care, Walker. I don't or, care. Or out. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm giving my boy everything. Since y'all not gonna let me coach, I'm gonna show you what I got on the sidelines. But anyway, man, I it, it was just, he he had he had two other. So your YG's mascot. Yeah, absolutely. And dude, um, after the game, one of the dads on the other team, he was like, man, he was like, look, <laughs> they need to they need to keep your son at goalie because he is locked in. He said, man, did you notice when he made one of his other stops? He looked over at you like immediately. I said, did he really? And he said, yeah. He said, man. Of course, you wouldn't have noticed because you were too busy just going crazy. Too many emotions flowing. Which is why he looked over at you. Because he was like, who is that? <laughs> but, uh, nah, man. So, I, so I, my, I have to. My homework assignment is to go to a game, not to watch him, but watch you. <laughs> right? There may be a few camera crews at our next game. <laughs> I need to record it. I need to record it and put it on social. Dude, it, it will go viral easily. But anyway, I'm proud of my boy, man. And um, congratulations, made, YG. Thank you. I made sure he knew how proud I was. I'm sure there was no doubt, but um, I made sure he knew how proud I was mm-hmm. and uh, took him for ice cream after the fact. And uh, he's been wanting a dinosaur egg, so you best believe he got that dinosaur egg too. My boy showed out, so. YG, nice, great work, son. Nice, nice. What else is new, man? So Walker, um, we've talked about it a little bit. Um, I think off air. I don't know if we talked about it on the recording, but um, you know, this year has been really pivotal with me in terms of fitness and health, right? All right. Um, you've seen me. You've seen me uh, shred a lot of weight. And you've conversely seen me, I hear recent, put some back on. <laughs> I'm not judging because okay. I put some back on. Sure. But Walker, um, I was just in a really weird spot 
here lately where um, I wasn't eating like I should, but I was still I was still getting at my five to six days of 50 to 60 minute intense working out. Right. OK. And um, they were struggle. They were struggle workouts, man. And in my mind, it's like I knew the reason I was struggling is because I wasn't eating well. It's not even just eating properly. I wasn't eating at all. Like there were so many days, Walker, where I would barely eat lunch and eat a little bit of dinner and absolutely nothing else. You made a breakthrough about that. Like I think your boss had a talk with you about yeah, that. But so that, even after that, you still I still didn't. I still didn't. Huh. So um, Walker, it's, it's so weird. I can't. I can't. I can't remember exactly what it what it was that I saw that kind of triggered what um what I kind of started these past two weeks, mm-hmm. but um. I went in. I went into meal prep like I had been doing earlier this year religiously, and um, you know I I I was making stuff that I normally make. You know, vegetables, sweet potatoes, and uh, some type of protein, right? Okay. And um, having enough of that to sustain me through the work day and loading up at breakfast, right? And then because dinner, I don't have to worry about because I cook dinner. I'm good. I mean, I'm gonna eat, right? Right. So um, I just I was like, you know what? Let's just try this. Like it was some new thing, you know. And then three days in of this meal prep, I'm thinking. It sounds familiar. Like, you know, I, I remember getting the almonds from Costco and putting them in the snack bag, you know, and eating them you know, whenever I got hungry. They were quick, you know, right. uh, nutrition, nutrition pack, you know, whatever you want to call it. And um, so then I noticed it, this particular week, it was a Wednesday morning. Dude, it's like I was I was up before my alarm came on and I was ready. Like I went to put my gym stuff on and I was just like I was at the gym before anyone and like bang on the door. Like, let me in because I work out first thing. Right. And, so, and they give you a key. They'll unlock the gym. I need to have a uh, have a key now. Like I should, but anyway. Yeah. But dude, I had a workout that was so good. It, re- it the, the feeling I got when I was done reminded me back to the spring where I was like in in a whole nother mode, as you rappers say. Um, but I was like, rapper. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? To? Rapper, black <laughs> thugs. <laughs> You're all the same. I'm not laughing. Oh, terrible. But no, but it it clicked. And I was just like, I remember coming home and telling my wife, I'm eating. (laughs) Why? Because I'm I'm a bone fly on a wall. When you make these (laughs) declarations to your wife and she looks at you. Like Dude, the returning looks. I mean, uh, yeah. But I don't. I, I'm weird, Walker. I mean, you know this. Everyone listening knows that. Yeah. But it's just like it's like, duh, Ronnie. This is what we need to do because we work out harder, our body is happier, and then we start feeling better. And then when we do all those things, then the weight starts to fall back off again. Why do you torture yourself, dude? That, and that's that's what I've been trying I, to figure out. I don't like, understand, like, and you know what I understand by what I mean by when I say torture yourself, right? By not eating, not necessarily not eating, but you then turn around and do these intense workouts, knowing you don't have the energy to make it through the work. Like, why do you torture yourself in that regard, Walker? I don't know anything else. Huh? Like, I'm I'm so I would perfect. hate working out. Well, and and I. For the past month or so, yeah, I was hating it. But, like, I'm part of the community now. People are, like, counting on me to be there. You know, and and I enjoy going. I enjoy working out with the people I work out with. Um, So, but it's just, I'm so programmatic about it. It's just like, okay, (laughs) at at 4.30, I'm waking up. I'm getting ready. I'm out the door to get to the gym by 5. 
Mm-hmm. And then when I get there at five, I'm gonna do whatever workout they have. I'm gonna love on people, and then I'm gonna get up out of there. And okay. it's just it's just a part of what I do, right? And okay. I love it. Okay. So, um, but I love it more when I'm properly nourished. <laughs> right. Right. But to answer your question, I don't know. I, I uh, same lady I talked about who who was you know very intentional with me, trying to get me to really think about what I was eating, what I was not eating. Um, I was telling her about it. And uh, she was like, you know, Ronnie, I, I don't know. I don't know the best way to say it, but I really felt like you chose your retainers over your nutrition. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I know with you, you want to keep your retainers in because you work so hard to get your teeth straightened again. I make it sound like my teeth were jacked, but you know what I mean? And I the don't thing. don't being jacked. Well, <laughs> it's, it's relative. But yes. But the thing with the retainers is um, when you take them out to eat, you got to brush before you put, put them back in. Uh-huh. Right. And so I'll just. Considering the fact that I love what I do professionally, I'm like, man, I, I'll eat later because I can make, you know, 45 more minutes to eat, brush my teeth and put my retainers back in, you know, and then that and then that 45 minutes never, never will come. Right. You know, so and then then I get these killer headaches. And I'm so hungry because, you know, my body's like, look, <laughs> I will you through this crap at 5 a.m. for an hour. What are you going to do for me? Right. You know, so anyway. So basically, you had a breakthrough. Yeah, man, and it's, it's like another one. Yeah. Okay. I'm back where I started. You know. I'm happy for you. Thanks, Walker. So let's talk about how I feel fat. On oh, that goodness. note, okay. I feel fat. Swift so, segue there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing. Okay. Have you seen the results? Yes. <laughs> well played, sir. No, dude. I just I had a I actually had a I, I say that jokingly. I have felt like I've like been in a rut or been stuck in a rut, but, and then I do normally you shouted out a podcast last time. Yeah. Suburban pod. Yes. And amongst the two others, if you recall, you've been kind of in stand mode this week. There were two others you shouted out last time. We no, it was only suburban pod. Okay. Anyway. So amazing podcast, by the way. Okay. So there's a podcast called therapy, therapy, therapy for black girls. Right? Oh, them? <laughs> Who cares? And if you're listening, therapy for black girls, we want to thank you for listening. One of one half of us does. That there was a there was a trash. Hey, Gat, you're trash. Thank you. Thank you. What, what is that? Uh, yeah, ten minutes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I know, right? You're getting better. Another breakthrough. So listen. Um, they, I was listening to one of their pods, right? Okay. One of their episodes, and they had a a expert on who was talking about diet culture, right? And so for me, like I had a very successful year last year dieting, and I was on a very strict meal plan, intense workout, but dude, I lost like thirty pounds. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. I had slimmed down, you know, looking good, yeah. looking good in my clothes and whatever, but just like those any intense program that you do it's you can't sustain it for long periods of time you get your results but once you return back to life like you don't really have a regimen or routine to maintain what you're doing unless you're going to do the program again like i'm doing the programming and i like i sustain like an injury from some of like the intense workouts because your body is not i was doing cardio like sprints like you can't do sprints long term because of your joints and whatnot right right so you got to figure out a different kind of plan to sustain your success or achieve new goals right okay so as it pertains to my diet like i got i'm pretty much a machine during the week 
but on weekends I would just binge, right? Yeah. And basically negate all of my hard work during the week. Right. So, and which was not what I was trying to do. And what what the breakthrough I had this morning because I remember thinking back to what was said in the in the podcast that they were talking about. And one of the things that they were talking about is how we put so much pressure on ourselves to knock out this goal. In other words, we're trying to get to the goal of me wearing these clothes, right? I want to I want to be able to fit in this. I want to be able to get to this. And while that's good motivation, what happens when you get to the goal? What happens when you achieve your desired result? You fall off, right? Because your motivation is gone. The motivation that was once there is no longer there anymore. And so what's been happening this like this year is that I would get some success and say, you know what? I can take a weekend off. I can take a week off. I can do this and that in the third, right? Once I'm seeing the result. But what I'm learning to do is I'm learning to take the time to really find out what meal plan and diet works for me. Now, I did that with working out. I love working out. But what the reason why I enjoy working out is that I found out what works for me in the gym. There are certain types of workouts. There are certain types of things that I do. Yeah, I can get in there and get lost in the gym. You know what I mean? But I'm doing what I love. It doesn't feel like work, if that makes sense. Yeah. When it comes to diet, there's a lot of foods that I'm eating that are healthy. They're nutritious. Um, but I can't stand really in. I don't enjoy eating them. <laughs> so when the weekend comes around, I'm like, that reminds me of the weekday. Like I want to kind of relax. And but the thing is, there are good foods tasty foods out there delicious foods out there that are just as healthy right i just have to put the work in to find out what works for me and my family and so the breakthrough that i've had just this morning get is that you know what i'm going to make it a point to make eating healthy the goal the end goal instead of trying to fit in a certain type of not like my clothes and to look this way or to be this way. My thing is those things take care of yourself as long as you're enjoying the process, if that makes sense. I never fully enjoyed the process. I just enjoyed the end result. Right. right. And so what makes it so frustrating for a lot of people and the reason why they quit is because the end result seems so far away and I dread the process. So for me, it's now let's find out a routine that is the end result. Does okay. that make sense? Oh, yeah. You're going to yeah. get to the weight loss. You're going to get into your clothes. You're going to get to all that eventually. But you're in the moment, the now of loving working out, eating healthy. You enjoy it because you found something that works for you. And what most people have to do and what I'm having to rediscover is that there is a meal plan that's custom made for me and for my family. And we just have to go find it. Okay. Most times people give you things, but you dread eating it. You dread, you know what I'm saying? And so for me, I don't want to have that experience. So I want to find out what's the happy medium to where I can reach my goals. But I'm like, oh God, it's time to eat. Like, I don't, I'm tired of those days. Well, how do you start that, Walker? Research. Really? Yeah, I got to research. Actually, my wife was doing keto. Yeah. Um, and again, keto is cool <laughs> for a period of time, but you burn out, right? right? You can't sustain that. It's like paleo, whole 30, the right. whole nine. Yeah. So, so here, so I found along the course of doing multiple plans, 
I did like this part of this meal plan. Uh, I did like this part of this other meal plan. And so what I'm doing is I'm grabbing things that I've already, that I liked out of the best part of certain previous meal plans and I'm putting them together and now they complement. If I need carbs, I'm going, I'm going for my favorite carb on the weekends. You're curating your diet. Abso-freaking-lutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think I don't have to reinvent the wheel that way, gotcha. if that makes sense. Yeah. Now there's going to be some other ones that I research and find out. Because even in the keto diet, my wife, there was a, uh, there was a just, just being good to her, I found a recipe for like a breakfast omelet. Oh. And it is incredible, Gat. Okay. Incredible. Well, that's going to be part of our, you know, the meal plan on weekends. Yeah. So now we're eating those types of things, healthy foods, because, I mean, they're, I mean, it's cure. I mean, someone already provided us, hey, this is what you do. This is what you need for this day. Right. Right. So we put enough of those together. I like oatmeal. There's a certain type of oatmeal that I put. I don't like regular oatmeal, but I figured out a way to uh, use like a protein powder okay. that you can mix with various stuff. Oh. And now it changes the taste of it. Okay. And so that's where I get my carbs from. And it has protein in it. Not bad. So Walker. I'm curating different types of stuff to help me so that I'm not, you know what? I'm just going to go to Chick-fil-A and get a chicken biscuit. When now I can just get this oatmeal or get this omelet or get these different types of things. Now I'm eating healthy and enjoying the food and I'm still, I haven't gotten out of control. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, So for me, that was my breakthrough and I'm learning, man, just not to get caught up in the end result. And I think that's kind of what the whole diet culture is about is like, you're doing all these things that you dread and hate because you're trying to get to this end result. What happens when you get to the end result? Bye bye diet. Like, right. I'm done with you. I've you know, arrived. I didn't like you anyway. Yeah, you know what <laughs> I mean. So, and, and I, I think one of the one of the core lessons you're you're kind of repeating is something that's kind of at the heartbeat of this podcast. Something you taught me years ago, mm-hmm. which was embracing the journey. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, if I could share a little bit there, when, when uh, Walker and I started meeting to to put this podcast together, you know, I was I was focused on. Oh man, how are we how are we gonna get you know two million listens and you know you know get people like you know and I remember you saying hey yeah relax man we haven't even recorded an episode yet right you know uh, and um I don't know it sounds like with your with your diet or your curated diet it's you're searching to f- find something that'll make you fall in love with the process absolutely again. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely I love that I absolutely love that. and I th- and I think everything falls into place once you get locked in on the journey. Right. Okay. And, and that's, that leads to sustained success, not just success, but sustainable success. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Walker. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what's good. And the, the thing about you Walker, I'm not concerned about it really. Cause one thing I've, I've known about you for a long time is once you get locked in on something, <laughs> you're like, you're yeah. going to do it. Yeah. You know, you're not going to just do it. You're going to excel at it. Right. So, um, man, uh, sh- Here's to you curating your diet, man. That sounds amazing. And I, of course, you know, I'm taking nuggets from that and yeah. trying to apply it to my own situation. So I think it fits perfectly because you're in the space of trying to prepare stuff for yourself that you like. Now it gives you an idea to go out and figure out, okay, what works for you? What works for you. There you go. So yeah, gotcha. just, just great all around. So do you want to transition this guy? Yeah. Um, you know, we, 
we we did ch- I, I was being very Stanish a few minutes ago when Walker was asking about podcasts that I've shout out because <laughs> <laughs> yes I am crazy about the suburban pod based out of Huntsville um but anyway there was another podcast called let's talk bruh that I shouted out on our last recording and um this podcast he, he had a special segment and um he essentially tackled a lot of what I like to call social structures that really cloud uh, the image of what is perceived to be gay, uh-huh. straight, or bi. Right. right? So if I could, Walker, can I keep going with this? Keep going. He uh, he opens the episode uh, explaining about these, uh, these pictures he put in their Facebook group. Um, the first picture was um, two men cuddling, and the second picture was two women cuddling. And he encouraged his audience to, you know, kind of share their thoughts about what came to mind as they viewed these images. And so um, he, <laughs> I don't think he went into detail, but he said uh, it got a really spirited conversation going. And um, without giving too much of it away, I <laughs> after I listened to it, I, I shot it over to Walker because it got some really compelling thought going in my own head um, in terms of how we approach similar situations. And um, in this podcast, he did a delicate job of, t- of, of breaking down things such as um, what I like to call the, uh, the classic black male dap, you know, and he, he challenged me to think, OK, how has that evolved from the handshake all the way to now? I believe what's culturally acceptable is that the dap, the pull in and the half hug. Right. So um, and he, you know, he, he made me think like. Why isn't that called gay? Because at a period of time, men weren't supposed to hug, even if it was a half hug dab. So uh, am I jumping around, Walker? I feel like I'm, I'm kind of I may be straying here. So just just this reel this, me that, back in. We can add some context to it. <laughs> OK, I actually you. went back and listened to the episode. I've listened to it twice. OK, OK. okay? Which is one more time than I've listened to it. So what happened? What has happened is that the one of the they have a Facebook group, and in their Facebook group, someone po- made a post that showed basically a poll. Um, I don't know who was polled. They didn't give that kind of context or background information, but they asked like, "Is two women cuddling? Is that gay or no, or not?" And the majority of people said that it wasn't gay that two women were cuddling. Same question, except except this time it's two men. And it was a resounding yes as to as to it being gay, that two men are cuddling, but not so much that two women are cuddling. So what they was trying to attack was the double standard that comes across that. Okay, it's it's culturally acceptable for two women to cuddle based off of this survey here, but it's not acceptable for two men to cuddle and was challenging people to kind of reevaluate their thought process as to why it's why you conclude that that is gay. And I think this is, it's an interesting conversation because a lot of you're going to get different answers depending on who you ask. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what spawned the entire conversation. Um, I thought it was very interesting. You can you can give me your your thoughts on because there was a big that was a general idea that they led within the podcast because the way it was structured, the guy was talking on the beginning of it, kind of setting everything up, right. and they made it clear that we're not trying to promote men 
cuddling or spooning or doing all that stuff with each other. That's not what it was about. It's just because the, the, the podcast centers on black masculinity. Correct. Yeah. And so they're trying to always on a weekly basis, get a good understanding of what does it mean to be a masculine male in today's society, especially as black people. See Walker, this is why I like it when you deliver these topics. <laughs> oh, for real, like you're like 30 times better. I get too emotional. Well, there's a, there's a space for emotion on this podcast. <laughs> Hang on, guy. Okay. okay. <laughs> We're queuing you up. Okay, thank you. No, but so that that was the backdrop as to what they were discussing in the pod. And they had different people call in to kind of give their takes. And it was interesting to hear the guy's POVs. I don't think there was a single guy who was like, yeah, me and my homeboy was, my bro was cuddling last week. We got none of that. Right. So right. it was basically <laughs> dealing with, okay, if you feel something is gay, why is it gay? Right. Is it because someone told you it was gay or what, or what are your convictions for it being that way? Right. And one of the things, and I want to ask you, cause I'm going to drop it, throw the ball back to you is that they said, and I think a lot of people agreed with this, that two men cuddling is not gay, but that being gay is based off of a man's attraction to another man. Correct. Correct. Okay? Your thoughts on that? Um, Walker, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> at the beginning of that recording, I, I was, I was, you know, concrete as I, as I normally am like, yeah, two men cuddling a hundred percent gay. Okay. But I guess what my mind was open up to was that you can be a male and you can, you can express certain types of affection and still not be attracted to, to that other male. That was something I was closed minded to before I heard this, heard this podcast. I'm with you. Keep now going. let me disclaim, please. <laughs> I'm not going to cuddle with any guys. Right. Right. I, and I'll be honest, it's going to sound harsh, but I don't even cuddle with my kids. I got two young, but I don't even cuddle with them. You know, okay. like they leave, cuddle with mommy, you know, like, but, have I'm, they tried? Have the oldest tried? Yeah. Why yeah. do you want to cuddle with them? Uh, because it's gay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. Is he Walker? That that's that's part of my that's part of my internal battle. Like, I feel like I've been so defined by predetermined social structures that there's a there's a mental block. To questions just like the one you asked me. I mean, th these are my kids, right? I love my I love my kids. You know I do. Uh -huh. And so, why would why would anything related to gay even factor in? Because I'm not I'm not attracted to my sons. I love them. They do get affection from me. I I I, I hoisted my young, my oldest son up yesterday after the game, and I gave him the biggest hug right there midfield of his soccer game. Right. You know, and it was just like. I can hug it out with him there and I don't see any problem with that. That to me that's necessary affection, I guess. But but if he if he were to in that moment look at me and say, Daddy, you know what? I'd rather we go home, sit in the recliner and just cuddle. That will fall into the category of unnecessary affection. Yes. Why is it unnecessary? Cause we're guys. <laughs> we're men. I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't know, like, because again, to me, 
to me, Walker, and this is going to sound very minimalistic and simplistic, but to me, you cuddle with people you're attracted to. Okay. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any wiggle room there. Like my wife and I, my wife and I cuddle. Like we do that. I am wildly attracted to my wife. Sure. As you should be. Yeah. So I guess I've compartmentalized that thought and been like, okay, this is the only person I'm ever going to cuddle with. (laughs) And that is fine by me. Gotcha. You know? Um, okay. Uh, Here's what I would say to the kid thing, because that's a bit of a different kind of thing there as a parent as a, as a child, you're, 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 you're learning stuff. I mean, we're all learning, right? Right. But you're learning emotion. You're learning how to express yourself. You're learning different sorts of things. Right. Right. And I, I don't, I don't, let's be clear. I don't think that there's time. There's nothing wrong with you not wanting to cuddle with your son at times. Sometimes it's just not cool. You just don't, you don't feel like anyone being in your space. Right. In a vacuum, even though that's not your reason. Okay. There's nothing wrong if your son wants to lay on you or cuddle with you or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's why there's nothing wrong. I'm giving a natural uh, analogy. When I was a child, I wanted to sleep in my parents' bed. Okay. My parents didn't let me at times. Sometimes that was fine. I could sleep in the bed with them. Right. As I got older and I began to come into my own, I grew out of that. Right. And in most cases, kids will grow out of it even before the parents grow out of it. Right. Because the child is coming into their own. They have a concept of personal space and they don't want anyone in their space, let alone you. And so my thing is, I don't think that by cuddling or showing him that affection at times, you're setting himself up to be gay down. I don't think that's where you were going with that. No, no. But at the same time, it's okay if your son wants to cuddle with you. It's okay to hold your son. It's your kid. It's really nothing wrong with that. It's not the same thing as you and one of the homies cuddling. It's not the same thing. Totally two different things. Okay. Because the dynamic of y'all's relationship is different. No matter how close you and I get get, it will never be on the level of you and, and, and YG. Right. Right? Yeah. So the way you show affection will be different as a result of that. He's a kid. He's learning how to show affection to his dad. He's learning how to show affection to his mom. He's learning that close bond that y'all two should. Like, he's figuring those things out. And you're, you're shaping it for him in a safe environment to where it's okay to come to me and share your emotions with me. It's okay to come to me. This is a safe space. I'm protecting you. I'm looking out for you. It's nothing wrong with that. I really don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, okay. as it pertains to the con is the, the argument about two men cuddling after listening to the podcast and thinking it over. Yes, it's gay. I still believe that that's gay. Finish him. <laughs> Jeez, guy. Here, here's why. And here's why I say that. Here's why I say that. <laughs> because <laughs> was that too early? I, I don't think you even started to go in yet. My bad. No, I'm not I'm going. Trigger happy. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not going in. I think this is a great conversation, and what I appreciate about what the podcast was talking about is is challenging us to evaluate our value system. Right. Okay. Because one thing that didn't get, I, someone mentioned it. One of the callers called in and mentioned it, but we didn't spend a lot of time here. Is this thing called boundaries? Ah. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah. Now I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's okay. this thing called boundaries. We that didn't camp out there, but that is vitally important to this conversation. Okay. Okay. Whether stated or unstated, we have boundaries in our relationships, whether Absolutely. platonic or Absolutely. or romantic. Right. There are boundaries there. Well, our value systems is what shapes our boundaries. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree. Okay. So what shapes our value system? Our environment. Things we hear on a regular basis. Learned behavior. Absolutely. Information we receive from credible individuals, people who we respect and admire. I.e. parents. Pastors. Yeah. Entertainers. Uh, Caesar Walker. There you go. <laughs> Granny no, Gatry. No pressure guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we, these things feed our value system. So is it's so when you look at that and you understand that our value system or those factors that shape our value system, it varies from person to person. I think that's why it's important that number one, we evaluate, okay, why do I think like this? Why where is that coming from? Right? So I think that there's some value in that conversation because we should always be evaluating our value system and then determining, okay. Is this the right belief system to have on the thing? And I think that's that's healthy. I think we should, as because we're evolving as a society. You know what I mean? Okay. There were times where where racism was commonly accepted. That's true. But if we're going to evaluate our value systems and those factors, we have to get better as a society. Which means we have to always put our value system under a microscope, right? Right. And evaluate it. So when it comes to these conversations. We have to understand that people's boundaries are going to be different. That being said, Gat, there are, and it's easy for me to say this as a married man, but as a single guy, there are female friends I wouldn't cuddle with. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? That, and it's not because I'm not attracted to them. There are some attractive females, but I respect our boundaries of friendship. If we're saying that we're platonic friends, and I'm cuddling with you, I'm sending that woman messages or signals that say, hey, <laughs> I'm friends, but I want to look, I want some benefits. Right. Right. Or right. I'm friends, we're friends, but I want more than that. Sure. So we have to respect one's boundaries. I think it goes without saying that most men have the boundaries of, hey, bruh, stay out of my space unless yeah. I dap you up, hug you up, or whatever. Because right. for most of us, Cause you have, cause I think the, they gave a, a bit of a, I think they gave a, 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 uh, they gave a little statement that I think it was like intimacy plus platonic touch doesn't necessarily equal attraction. Right. Yes. In a vacuum, that's true. <laughs> right. Right. But there's different types of intimacy. Here comes the nuance. Right. Okay. You have physical, you have physical intimacy, right? In physical intimacy, you have sex. Sure. You have, and all the stuff that comes with sex, right? You have cuddling, you have caressing, you have kissing. Okay. You have hugging and there's various types of hugs, the church hug, side hug, <laughs> friend hug, the half hug, full, full yeah. embrace. Right. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. you have various types of physical intimacy. You and I have gained intimacy over time. Sure. We have intellectual intimacy, right? We'll right. sit and talk about, I mean, on this podcast, this is a prime example of that. We've gotten closer as a result of that, right? right. Experiences. 
those shared experiences, two guys going to play pool together every Saturday, you can't tell me those brothers aren't close with each other. They got to be. They got to be. Yeah. Two guys or several guys going to games on weekends. You can't tell me they're not close because right. they're bonding over a common experience, right. right? They're different forms of intimacy. And then when you talk about platonic touch, that's where those boundaries come into place. If we're going to be friends, these are the boundaries that I require. For most people, they don't require a lot of physical intimacy with their friends. Right. Right. right? And if you and, and let's be real, like, and it's interesting, you asked a group of friends and they didn't look at two women cuddling as gay. Right. I asked three women this week. Oh. And all three of them said, I'm not cuddling with my female friend. I'm not even cuddling with my sister. I'm not doing that. Now we may sleep in the same bed, but you're not going to be on me. <laughs> okay. That's different. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we can be close. We can sit up in one of the girls is like, we can sit up in the bed and watch TV. You know what I mean? Or we can sit up in the bed, go to sleep, whatever, but we're not going to be up on each other because right. when I'm cuddled with someone that I'm attracted to, there's all types of signals and things shooting up through my body and it feels awesome. No I don't question. get that same feeling, nor do I desire that with the platonic friend or loved one. Okay. It's a whole different ball game. So when you're talking about two guys cutting for us, cuddling is reserved for that person. We feel some type of romantic involvement or attraction to. That's how we've all, we've reserved it for that. Right. And for many, most of us, when the intellectual intimacy is there when the when the exper the experience is there when we bond on other things because you and I talk about life and things going on in our personal life all the time when right. we connect on that level I'm good I don't need anything physical from you right. in that regard and the I, feelings are mutual <laughs> and it's a fulfillment there like I I look at our friendship gap and I'm like you know what there's really not much missing from my friendship with this guy like our relationship has gone to heighten levels that I did never imagined we would get to upon me first meeting you. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Right? Agree. I don't need anything else okay. from you. I don't, I don't need to be spooned. I don't need to be <laughs> held. I don't need that from you. Okay. But when it comes to my wife, I'm pulling her in. Right. I need that from you. I, I want, even if, even when we were dating, I couldn't wait to, to see her so we can get, I couldn't wait. That's yeah. all I thought about. Yeah. Right. So, and I think for me, it's okay for me to say, you know what? I know exactly why I think it's gay is because that's been reserved for those that I'm attracted to. And I have a strong romantic connection with. Okay. I think it's okay. Okay. Well, all right. I hear, hearing you say that makes me feel a little bit better about my stance, okay. but I, I will say this, and I'll reiterate this. Listening to that challenged kind of the my my own internal status quo, you yeah. know. But there were too many disclaimers there for me to give it a hundred percent like Ronnie certification mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I just <laughs> I don't see myself cuddling with the with the man. Like I just I just I don't see it, and and, it, and, and there's no way I can justify it in my head. And and let's be clear, they never said that there was anything wrong with that. That's true. They never true. said there was anything wrong so with that. So this internal battle I was having, I I, I think I was <laughs> launching the offensive and defensive. So, okay. I just want us to be clear here. And and I'm, I'm going to say this cuz I was going to I'm glad we're I'm glad I was out of town a week ago because I would have really trivialized this whole conversation a week ago. <laughs> okay. I, it took a second listen and me giving it a fair shot to really take the deep dive that I took on it. Okay. Right? So so here's how 
Walker. This is how Walker looks. This is how I see it. I think it's okay to be honest with yourself as long as you know why you feel the way you feel. Right. Right? And it should... I, I think what can be intellectually lazy sometimes is that for us to be like, because it's just gay. <laughs> like, who determines what's gay? And I think that's what they're getting at. Right. And that that's kind of where that's my thought process was taking me. Right. But I just walked you through... I took you through an intelligent journey of how I arrived at that's gay. Right. Right. I understand why it's gay for me. Yeah. But here's what's important. You can feel however you want to feel on a subject, but here's where society goes wrong is that we lack this thing called self or called respect. Okay. Tell me more about this respect thing you speak of. Okay. So respect for me, it starts inward and it goes outward. If I don't respect myself, I'm not going to respect you. Right. So we talk about, and they talked, I think they use the term hypermasculinity. Yeah. One of the guys talked about it. Mm-hmm. Another word that has been kind of, um, it's been become more mainstream, more main um, stream is toxic masculinity. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Reason why you have those types of things. And I, and I don't like those terms because they can be largely ambiguous and you can easily get thrown into the pot just because I don't see things the way you see it. Right. The reason why you have those issues is because one person doesn't respect themselves. So good luck trying to get them to respect you and your differences of opinions on subjects. Mm. Right. Okay. Right. They're not going to respect you because I promise you, if they're that over overtly disrespectful to you and your stance and the way you choose to live your life it's a good chance they may not respect themselves in some form or fashion. Yeah. Right. I respect myself. I'm working on it daily. Right. And I'm going to learn to respect you. We can have a conversation. (laughs) It's a process, but (laughs) I'm learning how to respect other people and respect individuals. Right. Right. So when I get that respect, then if you think that two men cuddling isn't gay, God bless you. Do you, I just ask that you don't come near me with the cuddle. Well, that's fine. I'm not going to mess with you. You don't mess with me. Walker, that's why I wanted to be clear in me stating that there's no, I don't see myself intentionally wanting to cuddle with any man. Right. Again, if I find it hard to cuddle with my two young sons, (laughs) how is it? You know what I'm saying? So it's just, again, it opened up my mind to think kind of like, kind of like you just alluded to. Who who is the gatekeeper for gay, right? Like who who says where where's the where's the scripture on it that says, oh yeah, if you do that, you are gay. Uh, you're doing that, so you're not quite gay. like who who is it, right? You know, so right. Anyway, and we we've kind of there is a baseline for gay. There, we there know has that. To be. I just I'm just not aware of it. You are. Oh, you know what it is. Okay. It is the they Cut, are. Right. I mean, cuddling is has got to be somewhere on that baseline. Pretty strong, I would think. You can put. It's there for me, Walker. I cu- it's there for me. I cuddled with my wife this morning. This is why I disagree with that statement, and you do. T- it sounds like you disagree with their statement as well. I, I disagree with it, but I have a problem that I do disagree. Why? Why? Why do you because have a problem? I feel like I'm being closed minded because it, you, you know the first the first guy that I was on talked about in some cultures. This is what guys do. Mm-hmm. Guys kiss each other on the cheek. You know, that's not your culture. Again, it goes back to self-respect. But, but I'm not Walker, going to Walker, knock you. Walker, in okay. terms of defining what is and what is not gay, that applies across cultures. Is that correct or not? No. It doesn't. 
No. Because cultures are different. Okay. So gay here. I want you to go kiss a guy on the cheek when you greet him today. I want want you to see how that goes. This is not happening. This is not happening. That's what I'm saying. Good luck with that. And and you can say, you can try to explain to them to the high heavens, hey man, where I come from, that's how we (laughs) greet each other. We don't do the handshake. We don't do the handshake thing. I don't need your pound. What is that? You want to fight? Put your fist down. Okay. Give me smoochie. I want smoochie smoochie on the cheeky cheeky. And if I don't get it, I think you're being rude. That doesn't translate. Okay, I see where you're going. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So you don't. I mean, my thing is, be honest with yourself. We can be honest with yourself with each other as long as there's self respect. Uh, there's respect built in. This is how I feel, but I'm not going to knock you because you feel differently. Yeah. It- <laughs> Walker I think the root of this for me personally was something I heard recently Mm -hmm. and it was it was something making light of Lil Nas X and uh, (laughs) I I, I don't know it it was one of those like quirky YouTube videos that people do for Mm -hmm. like comic relief and they were talking about how uh, when Lil Nas X came out you know they had this guy who was rocking the the old town road or whatever Mm -hmm. and then you know he gets the news that Lil Nas X is gay he stops and he thinks man I love this song I guess I'm gay too. You know, and it was so obnoxious and it was so like out of left field. I'm like, do I do I want to enter a discussion like this with that closed mind of a thought process? Or do do I want to at least open my ears to what the potential could be? You know what I'm saying? I I, I don't see anything wrong with hearing them out. That's why I gave it a second listen. Okay. But you, you do you do agree, just be and and I'm not gonna lie, I like Old Town Road. I like Panini, his, his second track. Um, but it doesn't make me gay because I like his music. Oh, okay. So it's just like again. So I was fighting res- so hard. There's a respect but level a, there. But, I know, but, but Walker, that's the thing though. Culturally, that's the thing. That doesn't have nothing there, to do with his music, right? But there's a faction of people who won't rock with certain people because they are gay and they have a personal problem. And I, w- I guess I was striving not to be that. I was stri- striving extra hard not to be that. I don't think you even have to strive extra hard to, to not be that because okay. you're not that kind of person. Fair enough. That's all. Okay. All right. I mean, and again, that's why I can sit up and say straight up, nah, bro. That's gay. It's gay. Cool. Well, I guess that settles that. <laughs> you can feel how you want to feel. I don't know if you have to close it off. It's fine. It's I'll just, let you close it out. It Close out the topic? Yeah. I thought you just closed it. Oh, okay. If I close it, then it's closed. Okay. <laughs> Moving along. Walker, um, you want me to drop the mic now or what? No, 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 no. Okay, no, no you're good. Walker, uh, I know you're unaware because it's been a couple of weeks since we we recorded, but nope, still aware. <laughs> we've got this segment in our podcast called Discuss or Trash. Okay, it seems like whenever I deliver the segment, it's just people come out of the woodworks and they can't control themselves. Right? We're gonna take a bow now, or no, no, no. We're humble. Like we're not gonna bow for this. Like we're just doing what we do. Like there's they're telling us to bow. Well, <laughs> The Cassies can send all the awards they want. We don't really care about them because we're here for the people, you know? So That is true. Anyway, in, in the award-winning Discusser Trash segment, uh, Walker and I have a series of topics that we categorically go through and decide if we're going to discuss it or if we're just going to disregard it. So um, with that intro, Walker, for our music uh, segment or music group, I guess. Or the entertainment section. Yeah, entertainment. Uh, we're going to lead off with one of my favorite hip-hop groups of all time, Gangstar. 
So um, on Friday, DJ Premier, one half of Gangstar, um, released a track with uh, J. Cole. Um, discuss the trash. I love J. Cole, and I'm a fan of Gangstar. However, I have yet to hear this track, so I have no thoughts on it. I'm good with trashing it. Okay, cool. Um, next up, we have Kanye West. Particularly Kanye West Sunday service. Oh, yeah, Sunday service. He recently traveled to Atlanta. Yes. To bring his Sunday service. Discuss. Okay. I don't want to, but I will for you, Walker. So Kanye West. Kanye. (laughs) So Kanye West, people have been knowing, if you've been paying attention of any sort on social media for what the past, what, several months? We've been seeing clips of Kanye West doing a Sunday service where he basically is taking popular songs or pop songs or whatever and remixes them into worship songs. And they're just basically just worshiping God, jamming out or whatnot. And what we've been seeing lately is he's been doing clips. One of the most popular clips I've seen is that he remixed California Love. Um, Yeah. And he remixed California Love and turned it into a gospel song. Just basically remixed the lyrics. Some of these videos show scripture references as to what the words are meaning when they put the words into the song. Incredible. And the late, the latest one that I saw this past week, I think he took Genuine So Anxious and remixed that one. I don't know if you saw that one, Gab. No. Um... <sighs> It never fails for me to see this guy's brilliance in terms of just what he can do with music and just whatever. We've already we've already been here with him. But you said brilliance. Brilliance. Continue on Stan. Okay. So he showed up at a New Birth uh missionary That's in Atlanta. The name of the church. New birth. Okay. Um where Jamal Bryan is the pastor now. One of your favorites. Huh? Continue on. Okay. Will you stop cutting me off? <laughs> so anyway, um, it drove a lot of harsh criticism from churched people. No. <laughs> and I guess I shouldn't be shocked, should I? I shouldn't even be shocked. I shouldn't be shocked, but I am. I am shocked, dude. I'm disappointed. I'm so disappointed. I'm disgusted, actually. Get, get it off your chest, Walker. Me and a, me and one of my homeboys had an flat out debate about this. Oh, and that's why when I text you this week, I was like, "We are talking about this." And just to hear, like his one of his arguments, and, and the thing that people because I'm starting to realize how how much we have become the byproduct of cancel culture. I'm starting to realize it because when he started talking about the reasons why he thought uh, New Birth was wrong for even giving Kanye West that type of platform is because of because of things Kanye did all of 2018. We're in the MAGA hat, um, endorsing Trump, saying slavery was a choice, the whole nine, right? And he felt like Kanye should go somewhere and get himself together quote unquote, before someone puts him up in front of people testifying and doing that sort of thing. Right. To my argument, I I was like, dude, that is such a slippery slope. 
when we start telling people that they need to quote unquote get themselves together. And it's a bit hypocritical when we take the same Bible in which God used a lot of people who had serious flaws, who actually led a lot of people. Like you look at Saul, Saul or Paul was once Saul. Paul was the first one I was going to caught bodies, right? Caught bodies. I mean, Moses caught a body, right? But these people went on to do incredible, exceptional things, but they got themselves together. And who's to say, Oh Lord, eventually. Right. That was sarcasm. It wasn't overnight. Right. Right. And I just think it's so hypocritical. And, and one of the things that my, uh, one of my friends was arguing about is just how it serves as, and I'm paraphrasing, but it serves as another black eye to how, to the black church. And to that, I felt like, you know, if you if you're concerned about preserving the black church, then we got to have some honest conversations about mm. the black church. Mm. I'm not ready. All right. Um, they're losing young people by the thousands. Have yet to address the hemorrhaging. Right. Have yet to address it. They don't even know how to wrap their minds around it. Right. I just left church today. I didn't see a lot of people who look like me. Not a lot. Wait. Hmm? And my church. People that look like you. Young people? Oh, young people that look like you. I didn't see a lot of young people that look like me. Oh, okay. I'm not saying. 30 and under? I was searching. Ah, gotcha. Looking high and low. And I think it's a problem across the board. You have some churches that are, that do have a lot of young people. They're like outliers now. Because they have a young pastor, young leadership. So it's a little, it's a little different there. But tra- traditionally set churches that have been established years in the past, struggling. Right? And so... I look at Kanye West's Sunday service. Who all do you see in the? Have you seen those those videos? I've seen some of the ones at um, Coachella. Okay, like I've seen probably like two and a half of them. He's been doing a se- uh, several more since then. But who okay. do you do you remember who you saw all it's in a, those? It's our young black people. Oh, okay. So we're gonna do what to Kanye West again? Mm-hmm. And for once, the guy is trying to get the guy is trying to get himself. He's doing what we wanted him to do. Get find Jesus, get himself together and sing about the Lord. And even that's not good enough. But I guess the fact is people don't think he's made it there yet. What is there yet? I don't know. I was hoping you had that answer. I don't. I don't. (laughs) Listen, in the news, I don't I'm not going to say that the church or the pastor's name but you may have heard about this. That was a pastor large over a large congregation committed suicide several weeks ago. Several weeks ago. Now, I'm pretty sure if you ask people familiar with his ministry and church, I'm pretty sure they felt like he had it together. So what does having it together look like? What does it mean to get it together when we all have a daily fight you know with our it, flesh, well, our mind, the devil, and the world. Like, you know what, what, what does that look like? You know what it is. What is it? It's, you know, it's, it's coming come to church with your car clean, you know, with your three-piece suit on, shoes shined, and that tie's in the envelope. Ready to place in the bin. Smiling at everybody. Nuclear family if you've got them. You know, just with a big grin. I've got it together. And I've tried. Listen, I've gone at Kanye. I have gone to him on this podcast, but listen, I'm not going to kick a dude who's trying to pick himself back up. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. 
I'm not going to kick a brother down. And and he and my friend even went as far as to question whether or not he was being genuine. I said, you don't know the answer to that. You don't know if he's being genuine. Yes, he may have a condition where he deals with being bipolar. He may get off his meds. But my thing is, if if God treated me the way you treated Kanye, I'd been in hell. Right? True. Because to me, that would explain our cycle that we have with God all the time. There's times I'm on my game spiritually, and then there's times I'm off my game. But I come back around. True. True. And anyone who's been tough on him clearly has not read the the story about the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Clearly has not read that story, right? Yeah. So my, to me, I, I wanted to discuss that and get your thoughts on it because yeah. I was just disgusted by it. Well, and, and Walker, we you and I have talked about having a, a a recording where the main topic is centered on this very very issue, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not sure if I can add more, but. I, I agree with your with your heartfelt sentiments on this. Like, give the guy a chance, you know. Yeah, I you mean. know. And 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 it's it's kind of it, it, to me in dealing with Kanye. I think it I think it speaks to something you've spoken about on this podcast before, just about how we tend to immortalize celebrities, right? And so um, we do hold them to a higher standard, you know. Um, even in Kanye's sense, to where a lot of people think he he had gone astray with the whole MAGA situation. Um, you know, people tend to cancel him because of that. Right. You know, for shallow reasons. Now I I have my own personal (laughs) reasons why I'm not really crazy about Kanye right now, but it it has everything to do with him being an artist. Yeah. 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 I, 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 there's nothing personal I can go at Kanye about because Lord knows I got my own stuff I'm dealing with. So, and you just hit that nail on the head. You're not going to be hypocritical no. as it pertains to that. No. And I feel like we get very hypocritical. And it's one of, and young people feel that. In fact, like we we had conversations about that in the past. Sure. Um, in terms of how people hold you to a standard, and when you take a closer look at their life, they're not even living it. Yeah. So if you're going to knock me for that, like, who are you? Right. Right. And so you know, and and again. I'm happy to see I'm happy to see the brother trying. Yeah, I exactly. Really Let's I'm, applaud I'm just, that. I'm just happy to see him trying. And my thing is when it when it comes to the faith, when it comes to our faith, what makes our faith so dope is that we serve a God who understands when you're trying to make your way back to him. You know what I mean? Right. And you may you may get off on your journey again. Like you it you may have a low moment. You may have a bad day. But he doesn't give up like this. He doesn't give you. It's not last chance you when it comes to God. <laughs> Dream you. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that's, that's all. That's all I got on that. Gotcha. What you got, man? What's next? Uh, next topic. I have a gentleman by the name of Daniel Hernandez. That's exactly his name. Yes. Um, you may know him as Takashi 69, though. Okay. Um, here recently, Takashi has been in court, federal court, and he's been snitching on everybody. Um, do you want to continue that whole premise of snitching in, by discussing this? Or I would, would like, like to discuss it. it. Okay. Because he, you know, his music, very like bravado, even on social media, he, he was very, he made no, no hesitation to go at rappers, <laughs> to invite him to his genitalia, um, talking about repping his set, his gang set. But he was in court last week, uh, and I think we have an audio of that. He wait, wait, wait! Before you do that, but he, he got he got arrested last year on drug 
was it drug uh drug charges of charges some sort. yeah trafficking yeah. either trafficking of drugs or serious charges right yeah yeah and so he was facing what 40 plus years it was several felony counts yeah of uh of drug trafficking um and gun charge like gun charges I think. you were you were genuinely concerned for the guy I was concerned from because it, it looked like he was heading down either this path or dead. Ah, okay. Um, and again, he comes out of this young generation where they feel like they could say anything, do anything, and there's no consequence to it. You know, right. you and I, we come from an era where rappers, if they said half the stuff these young kids <laughs> said, they were getting touched eventually or somebody was seeing them in real life. Correct. Right? Yeah. So a lot of guys, they talk trash, but not on the level of this. No. Right? Right. So here he is in court and he's just, what you got, Gat? How, how does it sound? Singing, singing, boy. Singing like many. <laughs> Shout out to many. Walker. He has great vocals. <laughs> that's just so pure. I don't know how you got that sound clip, but I'm glad you did. But hey, again, man. that's that's Mr. Hernandez uh, on trial right there. Um, Walker, like, okay. I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> you, you followed this, right? To, to where he's from called out everybody from Jim Jones to Cardi B to, I mean, the, the list goes. Jay Prince. Jay Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. The list goes on and on. And, mm-hmm. you know, essentially essentially presenting them and being involved with some heavy gang activity, right? Cardi B. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do you think about this, Walker? Like, is this, is this this guy just, I mean, is he that fish being pulled out of water or... Hmm, that's an interesting analogy. Well, I mean, there's nothing to substantiate this. What do you mean? And, and may, maybe I'm soaking up celebrityism too much, but Cardi B gang affiliated? Like, I hear she is. Really? I hear she is. Can you see Cardi out here thugging? I mean, you have a lot of people who are affiliated with it in, in some form of fashion, but you're not really on the, you, you're not 10 toes down right. in the street, but you have an affiliation with the gangs. You do. Okay. I mean, people have said that about Chris Brown, right? And oftentimes people get affiliated or get into the gangs for protection purposes. I'm not saying that's what, that was Cardi's reasoning, right? but they're different. There are Various reasons as to why people get involved with or get affiliated with gangs. But even in terms of Cardi, you can see there being some truth to to Mr. Hernandez's. Perhaps, yeah. Okay. Needless to say, I mean, you you don't you don't snitch on 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 that. I mean, if you're true, if you if you're involving yourself in true gang activity, that's like the cardinal sin, I think. But everyone snitches when they get pressed hard enough. True. In most cases, true. some people now some people do subscribe to the G code and they don't. And they, but, but, but you're willing, you're willing to serve a heavy, cause you know, when you don't snitch and that's how, that's why people get pressed. You get hit with these ridiculous charges and to lower them, you give them who they really want or who they're really after. Right. They were really after the gang that, uh, Takashi was, was affiliated with. Right. 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 But they got him and was like, we're going to pressure you 
and we're lowered if you give up who we really want. Right. Okay. What can you do for us? Gotcha. And then, right? Yeah. Right. He just pulled out all the stops. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, man. oh yeah, yeah, they're definitely gang. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he's ganging too. I mean, yeah, whatever. I mean, and, and it was a situation where he benefited from it because it gave him the street cred. They benefited from it because of their affiliation. I mean, it, everyone was using everyone in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right, but I just to my thing, to in, in my perspective, like I don't, I don't seem to believe that Takashi had access to this type of information. Like, how how would he have, would he have known? Because we know, we know he wasn't really game banging for real, you no, know, no. you know. So just like, who is he to say Jim Jones and or Cardi B and Jay Prince? Listen, like, how can he validate their gang activity? Takashi is trying to lower his statements are so that plain. Sentence. I know, I know. He's so he's, trying, he's out. giving, he's giving. Listen, that's so why he is the fish out of water. Then he is many <laughs> on her best day. Okay, okay, gotcha. That's all. He's just singing. He's trying. He's just trying to. And you know, let me ask you this. Okay, what 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 becomes of him? Who Takashi? I don't even know who that is anymore. I just forgot about him. Daniel Hernandez. Don't know who he is either. I just, I just lost him. I mean, nothing. I mean, he's he's not going to rap again. You don't think he's going to rap again? Oh, dude, this dude. This, I mean, this dude's hey, he's in a federal, he's in a federal court right now. I mean, if he if he gets, I mean, yeah, sure. I'm, it could be the game passed him by, and he's not. But my thing is, he's you, made so many enemies. Even if he was to get out, he's made so many enemies and burned so many bridges. See, I guess it goes back to your concern of this man's life, which you know I kind of commend you for that. Um, again, I have an issue of separating people from being entertainers to real people. That's an ongoing thing. We're not going to get into that now. But um, to me, even when we discussed him a while ago, he was uh, a pile of buffoonery. You know, like agreed. Like there, there's agreed. there's nothing for me to contribute about Takashi. I feel like this has been a great. I, in a in a way, I hate it for him, but in a, but in a, on another note, like I feel that I'm happy this is happening. Because I want the younger generation to see that uh, there are consequences for what you put out there in the universe. Like right. there's there's consequences to getting out here and talking reckless as if there's no consequences. Right. You can tell me all day is entertainment, but there's people out here willing to die behind the things that they say and oh, things yeah. other people say. Like for you don't you sure. don't want to play with that life. Right. And and here here is a great a great cautionary tale. Yeah. Of Daniel Hernandez. Gotcha. So. Um, ooh, Walker. Next, we have the Revolt Summit. Um, we're Shout out to Diddy. Shout out. Yeah. Was Diddy the mastermind behind this? Yes, he was. Okay. A, he was very instrumental of it. I think it was in Atlanta um, this past weekend. Yeah. Um, discuss the trash. <laughs> we're discussing this. Okay. Biggest takeaway from this event because you watched. When did you watch it? I watched it. I watched it last night. Really? Yes. And, and Walker, it was one of those things to where I found myself watching clip after clip after clip um i i thought as i consumed this this content i thought i thought of this whole summit thing to be really an empowering thing because the first clip i saw was p diddy speaking i didn't realize he was behind the whole thing but he talked about his journey revolt yeah revolt that's p diddy's brand yeah okay i'm 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 not the hype beast you think i am <laughs> I guess not. I had no idea that was Diddy's Diddy's label. Absolutely. Diddy's, Diddy's not, not, brand. Not, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like he has like a, and you know they work with um, 
I think they do stuff with the Breakfast Club. Yeah, and, uh, they, and, the Breakfast Club comes on the Revolt. I, TV. I've heard I've heard the Breakfast Club talk about Revolt a lot. Yeah, I just never really connected it to Diddy. I like the space that they're in too. Yeah, like I yeah. like coming up on election season. I like the. The, I like what they're doing. Well, and Walker, it's funny you say that because um, after here, after seeing a three-minute video where Charlamagne the guy is interviewing P. Diddy, and he's giving giving this kind of sense of an uplifting movement, you know, in the summit or, or whatnot, it seems like after that, the only clips I could find <laughs> were of T.I. and um, what's the lady's name, Walker? Candace Owens. Candace Owens. And it was just like... Wait, you saw... So you was just seeing it in small clips. Yeah, I didn't watch the entire thing. Oh, okay. Walker got kids to feed out here. You said you watched it, so I didn't. I didn't know. What I you consumed meant some that. of the content. Okay, there you go. Now, honestly, after I after I consumed all the Candace Owens stuff, I probably could have watched the entire Revolt Summit thing. But um, no, nah, I I kind of got derailed from the whole purpose of the Revolt Summit and seeing this 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 bit of content mm-hmm. with Ti and Owens. Um, but I really applaud Killer Mike. <laughs> For literally coming in, snatching the platform and redirecting it to a positive, uplifting type of energy, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I hate to say it, Walker, but dude, when you Google this, when you Google the Revolt Summit, everything goes directly to Candace Owens. That's unfortunate. So she she was able to infiltrate this and make this all about her and her empty narrative. Uh, Kill, me, killing the vibe for something that was supposed to mean a lot more, in okay. my opinion. I'm going to pass that's, the mic to you, Walker. That's why you should have watched it all. I think that's why you should have watched it all. I actually, to me, I feel like, yeah, this is why I can't stand the media at times. And yes, we do a podcast, so that kind of makes us media. Um, I This is why I hate the media sometimes. It's because the spirit... What what was so dope about what Killer Mike did is that he em, he basically embodied the spirit of what Diddy was trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why Diddy why, was so animated. That's why you have a Killer Mike on stage. You have a Katrina Pearson who who worked on Trump's staff um, when he during election season. You have a Candace Owens. You have a Ti. You know what I mean? You have people who are black who genuinely think they're like they care about what's going on in the black community, right? But they ha- they have different points of view. And to me, I think that that sharpens us because what we're trained to do is that if you see things differently in terms of solutions, then you're my enemy, right? Right. And I think what really if we do it right, if we leverage it correctly, we can actually cover one each other's blind spots the moment we realize we're on the same team. Which is why I'm not big on party lines. Now, you can say what you want about Candace. I already identified her as a well-behaved Negro okay. a few weeks ago. All right? So I, I know that about her. Here's the thing about Candace. I, I think I figured it out about Candace Owens. All right? Candace Owens... Okay, you remember being in a school. Did you like math? No, okay. I still don't like it. Do you remember having to do proofs? Yeah. Oh Have you ever had that frustrating moment when you're working on a math problem and your proofs and your work looks good, but somehow you still got to the wrong answer? Right. Yeah. That's Candace Owens. <laughs> that is Candace Owens in a nutshell. 
Her proofs and her work look solid. But at the very end, she says, we should support Trump. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) How did you get that? Right. From you was doing so good, right? That is Candace Owens in a nutshell. And she really, I think she genuinely feels and she makes great point. And that's why she's driving Democrats crazy is because she's poking holes in their mission statement. She's poking holes in what Democrats try to try to do with black people. Right. Right. Now, her solution is bad because the Republicans ain't even trying to pander to us. Right. True. So I'm like, so how did you get go to Trump from what you just said? You made a great case for why we should be looking at the Demo- how we should scrutinize the Democratic Party, but you didn't give us anything after that. Right. Right? Yeah. So that's her thing. But my thing is with these, what I hate about the media is that they made it about, oh, T, I got Candace, Candace Owens straight. No, he really didn't. I don't know if they covered any ground. They didn't. Honestly, yeah. They was go- they were just having a back and forth, which is what people wanted to, wanted to make it out of when the story of that entire panel... And was what Killer Mike said, and it embodied what Diddy wanted right. for us to come together. Let me let's take your viewpoint. Let's take your your strongest point. Let's take what you see. Let's put it together and make a better plan for us. Because you're coming from a conservative uh, standpoint, which means you see something that uh, that we're probably not seeing, and vice versa. Right. If we put it together, now our plan is airtight because there's no there's no blind spots. That's the spirit of it. Mm. And I want to see more. I want to see more conversations like that where people like the Candace Owens can get their points out and talk so that we can say, okay, Candace, but what about this? What about this? Maybe that's not the solution, but you bring a great point about the Democratic Party. We got to deal with that too. Right. You see what I'm saying? And I feel like we get further down the road that way. But isn't there a responsibility on behalf of Kenda Owens to identify self-identify her own blind spots? I'll put it this way. To- it's tough to see your own blind spots until someone shows them to you. Once they're revealed, it's incumbent upon you to determine what you're going to do about it. That's something we all have to do. That's true. That's a life. That's something we all have to do. Yeah. Right? That's a life thing. And and my thing is, just like T.I. Killer Mike was making points, Candace, Candace Owens was making points, but she, because she's been, because she hitched her wagon to Trump, no one really cares to hear out her point of view. She's discredited, yeah. She's discredited, even though she's making some solid points. Right. So that, that to me, that was what the most... Killer Mike was the was the best part of it. The frustrating part of it was how the media took it and made it some this whole thing about T.I. and Candace Owens going at each other. Ah, uh, which is why my Google search produced nothing but okay, okay. There gotcha. you go. Which is why you wanted me to watch the whole two hour. There you go. Whatever segment. Okay. There you go. It okay. was only like an hour and fifteen something like that. Well, the one I saw was like two something. Maybe it could. It could. I think it may have had what I saw was just a panel. Okay. That was just a panel. So yeah, it was longer than that, but the whole panel part was an hour and 15. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's all I got on that. Cool. Um, next up, speaking of revolt and the breakfast club, we have Fantasia. Fannie Mae. She visited the breakfast club here recently and, um, she shared some of her own personal viewpoints on this whole head of the household narrative. 
Uh, Walker, you want to talk about this or you want to throw it in the trash receptacle? Um, we're definitely going to talk about this. Thank you, sir. Oh, <laughs> no, this is my cue. You're right, Walker. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> no, so, um, to, and, and I'm trying to do better at this, Walker. You do so well at this, but to really kind, kind of uh, summarize Fantasia's statements regarding head of the household. She, she, in my opinion, she kind of went against that traditional narrative, that biblical narrative, if you will. And I think in an attempt to empower women, she challenged the notion by saying, you know, women need to, need to, I guess, uplift their own selves or empower their own selves and become ahead of their own households. So that, that's how, that's how I took it. I may have mis- misinterpreted that. No, she didn't say that. Okay. Well, what did she say, Walker? She was just saying that, um, she was basically saying that my man is the man of the house in a sense. That's what she was saying. How did I miss that? I don't know how you missed that. Cause that's what spawned a conversation on another pod. Yeah, she she was basically she referred to herself as kind of like the neck and he's the head. He can't move without her. Right. But she was saying that he's the head of the house, holding that regard. And she was saying how that yeah she she was kind of in line with the biblical oh, um, line for, of thought. Forgive me, Fantasia. Yeah. I may have gotten lost in the commentary of the other pod. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. And, but that that but they said. They, that's what they was talking about. Okay. And then they did reference and frame it around her saying that her man is the head of the household. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I totally botched that. Yeah. And, and basically the, the analogy of her being the neck, he, the head is because without the neck, the head can't really go anywhere. True. So she's a vital part of the, the thing, but he still is the head. Right. And so, you know, that's been an issue. That's been kind of a, uh, touchy subject i would say um so your thoughts on that well um this this subject in particular um and being totally transparent has been touchy in my own household so um Hmm. (laughs) yeah my my wife who um extremely empowered uh (laughs) in my opinion uh not only in terms of her success but her faith um she this is something uh my this is a concept my wife has struggled with and uh, one thing that we're still working together in, in terms of this is we need a really good, you know, detailed definition of what it means to be the head. Because I think traditionally we attach certain stigmas to that, mm-hmm. um, especially when you start to weave in terms of, you know, submission and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. It turns into a really male dominated narrative. She did catch a lot of heat over. I think she made a statement like that's why some women can't find a man because allowing him to, which at that point I was like, okay, you were doing good, Fantasia, but <laughs> that, that was her tipping point. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is where well, I get off. Well, and, and Walker, th- thinking in terms of my wife when we met, uh, you know, we, we before we even started dating, she was obviously independent. She had uh, a lot of great things going for her and. You know, I'll be honest. One thing, one thing that I asked her before we, you know, decided to, to start, start our courtship was like, "You really don't, you really don't need a man for anything." <laughs> you know, you've you've mm-hmm. got everything figured out. Like, 
where do you fit a man into this? Because my wife had her whole five and 10 year plan Mm -hmm. already, you know, etched out or whatever. And so, um, I I don't know. She, she, she struggles with that. I kind of struggle with it because, you know, I guess the way I'm structured Walker, I want everybody to be cool. You know, that's just, I'm, I'm not a peacemaker (laughs) by Mm -hmm. chance, by, by any stretch, but I do, I, I do sacrifice for myself to keep and retain the peace. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So, um, it, except with me. <laughs> well, t- yeah, of course not. You're <laughs> rational. <laughs> <laughs> Very emotional too, right? Um, so, so considering that, um, it's something we struggle with. And as you know, Walker, uh, being a man of faith as well, the Bible just isn't as clear as we want it to be on things like this. Um, so it tends to create an opportunity for, for a struggle. And I think that's kind of where my wife and I are now. Don't get me wrong. Like we, we deal with it. Um, there are times that we've learned over our 10 years of marriage to where you do have to, you know, allow room for the other, you know, to, to be the executor or to be the, um, what, what, what do you call it? Be the affirmative hand, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it took us time to really even start to try to shape what that balance looks like. Okay. But um, and, and being honest, um, my wife has a lot of issues with that narrative. Even even though it is written, it's in scripture. She's just kind of like, well, what about me? You know, I'm supposed to be the helpmate. What about the help? Like, I I've got to help you. You know, uh, the you know, if 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 I'm your helpmate, that means you must not have everything figured out because you obviously need help. And I was thinking, well, uh, you got a point, <laughs> but you know, you need to understand the fact that I'm not saying that that means, you know, I make every decision that happens in this household. That That is not what I'm saying. So right. without getting too deep into that, that's kind of where we are. Gotcha. Did I answer your question? You did. Okay. You actually did a pretty good job. I, I agree wow. with a lot of what you Can said. Can you say that again? You did a pretty good job. Thanks. Yeah. I, I give you roses whenever. Then sometimes I stomp on them afterwards, but I still give them to you. That. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's irrelevant. But no, what, I think what's happening at is that because a lot of this is biblical and it, and it causes people to kind of side out of the Bible. So here's the thing. We're given principles out of the Bible and the principle is the goal. That's what we should work to. Right. Right. For example, here's a principle. Love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. You, you know what I mean? Show yeah. them love. Okay, that's a principle. That's the goal. How many of us are prepared to pray for those and do good for those who are obviously trying to take our head off? Right. Right? Yeah. That's the goal. So oftentimes when we read the Bible, there's a disconnect between principle and reality. Mm-hmm. Right. So basically the Bible is telling you how it should be. But when we look at our personal lives, it's not exactly in sync with what the Bible says we should be doing. Right. 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 What I mean by that, I think I believe that the man should be the head of the house. I think when you talk about head of the house, you mean we're talking about leadership. Right. Right. There's different types of leadership. Come on, Walker. Right. And I think as, as men, what we have to understand is where much is given, much is absolutely required of us, right? We have a great responsibility when we're being entrusted with a household where there's human beings that we're accountable to, right? Right. 
I think that when the Bible talks about, because the Bible to me is very clear about how that house should be be handled. The Bible tells husbands to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, that means I need to find out how Christ treated the church in scripture, right? Oh, wow. He was willing to die for the church. There was nothing he wouldn't give the church that would promote it and help it, right? Right. So he wasn't selfish. If you're willing to die for something, you're not selfish towards it, right? Right. That means you honor that, right? That means you cherish it. That means you protect it. That means you provide for it, right? Right. So we're talking about a lot of the things that men should do. Already we see off the bat there's a disconnect when we look at at how society has groomed our men to behave, right? Right. There are some scriptures in the Bible that when Paul wrote talking about, I think, one of the more one of the more controversial ones is like women keep silent in the church. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We need to understand that that was addressing a cultural problem, right? I think the church at Ephesus at the time that was a society that was female dominated, right? Right. In which the men of that time were passive, and basically the women were leading things and running uh, things. Yeah. Right. So when Paul is talking, he's addressing a problem in the church that derives from a cultural issue, right? Okay. That means women keep silent in the church may not apply to American westernized culture today because that wasn't exactly the issue then. Right. So if you go through different cultures and different societies, men behaved differently. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. I think today now our men have been dumbed down to the point to where we're not really the leaders that the Bible is trying to encourage us to be. Right. So when you're talking about leadership, you're talking about influence, right? Right off the bat, you just look at, you can look at great managers, people you work for. There's just certain people, man, they could be leading you straight to a cliff. You feel so secure knowing you're about to go off this cliff with this guy because this guy has influence, right? right? That's integrity. Like if my if I can't keep my word, if I say I'm gonna be here when I'm not there when I say I'm supposed to be, I lose influence with you, right? Right. You can't trust someone who who doesn't keep their word. You can't keep you can't trust someone who's being dishonest. So again, heavy is the head that wears the crown, guys. Mm-hmm. If we want to be the leader, we got to be men of our word. And the reason why women, when they hear the man should be the head of the household, and I'm looking at a guy who can't keep his word. That's why a lot of women are kicking back at us. Right. That's why a lot of women are like, head of what? I'm going to trust if I'm being irresponsible with my money. Right. If I don't handle my money right, I may be paying for stuff, but I'm blowing it. I don't have savings. Right. Right. It's going to be hard for that woman to submit to me if she knows we may get to the end of the month and there's no money. Mm hmm. It's going to be tough for her to submit to that. Right. So as guys, and and I love what, what Fantasia, and I'm tough on guys. I'm tough on guys because I believe God created us to be exceptional, exceptional human beings. We are exceptional, Gad. So when I see us, it's like, it's like a head football coach. It's like you see Saban. Saban's chewing into those guys, but he also sees something in those guys. Mm-hmm. And when they don't reach the standard that's set, he lets them know he's not going to sit back and accept that he's going to let them know. Listen, I've seen you in practice. I've seen you in the weight room. You're not doing what I see you do on that practice field. Right. I need to see it. Right. 
that's how I feel about guys. I love what Fantasia is doing to a degree is because she's reminding women, yes, he's the head. He's the head. But it's incumbent that guys like you and myself get talk to the guys and say, hey, guy, yes, you're the head, but you better act like it. Yeah. You better act like the leader you've been called to be. That comes with it. Right. So when we do our part, Fantasia's do her part. We're now grooming couples and families to be what they're supposed to be. Yeah. It's not it's not enough just to say the man is the head of the household and there's no accountability on his part. <laughs> no, that's why a lot of women have had to step up. That's why a lot of women have had to take on and do certain things that the man was supposed to do because he's just not present or doing what he's supposed to do. Right. So I think what she said was great. And I think we should continue to have these conversations. But there is accountability on both sides. And I feel that the, the frustration that women are experiencing is that there is a serious disconnect between what's present and present day with our men versus what the Bible says should be. Uh, and we got to have that conversation. Cool. Well put, Walker. Yep. Forgive me again for uh, totally transposing that, but yeah. all right. It makes good. me human, I guess. Um, on to the sports portion of Discusser Trash. First off, <laughs> we have Dennis Rodman, who um, I think... ESPN premiered a 30 for 30 on him here recently. Almost two weeks ago. Almost two weeks ago. Okay. He was also on the Breakfast Club this past week and he kind of talked about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, we can trash this. Okay. Because you haven't seen it. Okay. I would like for you to check it. I don't know how or when you'll check it out, but. Well, I, I will add this. I haven't seen a lot of compelling sound bites with Dennis Rodman across the news stream here recently. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess I need to check out the 30 for 30 to understand what exactly is going on here. It gives a lot of context into how he seemed normal when he was with Detroit and he just all of a sudden changed. Like it gave a lot of context. Okay. Okay. And so that's what makes his story so interesting and intriguing. Gotcha. So you should definitely check it out. But no, I'm good with trashing this. Okay. Well, um, to round up Discusser Trash, we have Timothy Tebow. And I, Timothy. I call him Timothy Walker. Why Timothy? Um, it's, it sounds fitting for this topic we have with him. Um, he, <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, pretty outspoken about uh, this, this latest wave of uh, college players being compensated, uh, or excuse me, college athletes being compensated for all they contribute to uh, their respective schools. Right. Um, Walker, I ask you, discuss or trash? Let's discuss this. I'm glad you said that because we got a soundbite. Okay. Um, (laughs) Should I just start there, Walker? Um, Yeah, he was on, he was on the first take talking to Stephen A and Max Kellerman about, I think in California, they've had passed a, a, a ruling or made a ruling to allow players to make money and collect royalties off of their the likeness, goodness. jersey sales, the the like. And South Carolina is another state. That, South Carolina is the other. I yes. didn't know. I never bothered to research, but thank you for bringing that up. Absolutely. So, so California and South Carolina are the two states that have have jumped out there and have made this ruling. And they were discussing that with Tim Tebow, and he said this. You know, I I feel like I have a little credibility and knowledge about this because when I was at the when I was at the University of Florida, I think my jersey was one of the top selling jerseys around the world. Uh, it was like Kobe, LeBron, and then I was right behind them, and I didn't make a dollar from it. But nor did I want to because I knew going into college what what, what it um, what it was all about. I knew going to Florida, my dream school, where I wanted to go, the passion for it, and if I could support my team, support my college, support my university, that's what it's all about. But now. 
we're changing it from us, from we, from my university, from being an alumni where I care, which makes college football and college sports special, to then, okay, it's not about us, it's not about we, it's just about me. And yes, I know we live in a selfish culture where it's all about us, but we're just adding and piling it onto that, mm. where it changes what's special about college football. Tim. We turn it into the NFL, where who has the most money, that's where you go. That's why people are more passionate about college sports than they are about NFL. That's why. Okay, yeah. Oh, Tim was running hot there. Goodness. I think he was turning a little red, yeah. a, little, a little pink. Well, uh, well, how you feel, Gat? Because you you feel a little you feel a little way about that. I, uh, again, as you people like to say, I feel a way about. What do you mean this. by you people? Uh, you know what I mean. No, what do you mean? You colored people. <laughs> Jesus, that sounded so racist coming out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I do it for Impact Walker. People love it. They actually buy people. You mean? Oh, Walker. I while while the the I guess the majority of Tebow's comments here I disagree with. There are a few spots that I that I do agree with, but I don't think his reasonings were were aligned accurately. And, and I'll, I'll just start here. I think, um, of course, and the, and the numbers kind of prove this, m- numbers meaning revenue, um, I do think college athletics are more popular than professional, right? Okay. Me personally, I, um, as evidence in us recording today, um, I do enjoy college football way more than I do NFL. Same can be said about college basketball, NBA. Um, but I don't think the reason for it align with what Tebow says Okay. At all, um, what do you think Tebow was saying, or was trying? He was trying to say something, but he ended up saying something different. Yeah, and I feel like Tebow is saying people love it more because the players are not paid. Yeah, that's what I get. And, and he, he's, he's, he seems to derive some level of passion that that the players get from not being paid at the collegiate level, and he he's insinuating that something changes at the professional level, right? That's right. that's that's my tipping point with Tebow, where I start to go the other direction. Well played. I'm plugging this. Nice. No, I, I think what he's yeah, and what I got is that when you start introducing because basically the players because there's no money involved, they're playing for the love of the game, the right. passion of the of, of the sport, if you will. And I think that when you begin introducing money into the equation, you dilute the integrity of the game because guys' focus shift from the passion of the game and the love for university for the university and sport to let's see how much money I can make. Right. Right. So you don't agree with that? No. Why not? Um, because and th- this is so good, I, and I don't I don't know where this came from because this wasn't part of my thoughts that I had before I recorded, but. Andre Iguodala uh, was on the Breakfast Club a while ago. I remember did this. You, did you hear this? I remember this. And he talked about um, kind of de- inadvertently delivering uh, a certain level of social awareness to his teammates at the time. I think Kyle Korver was a was a person, a, a white male NBA player at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they were having a conversation because I, I think the team he was with they they had these uh, finance talks, you know, trying to coach the players on how to be better with their money. And Andre was going in um, explaining explaining to, I guess, the group about how he had to pay his mom's bills, his cousins, da-da-da. And Cal Corver, being a white male, was dumbfounded by this and asking him, well, why, why do you... Why do you have to do that? Like, mm. what? He was clueless to the real life situations that 
Andre Iguodala had to deal with, right? Right. right. So to hear Tim Tebow quantify this to be just about money, I have a problem with that because a lot of the athletes out here putting it all on the line for the universities um, are coming from different socioeconomic backgrounds than that of Timothy Tebow and Cal Corver, mind you. So is it all about money? I don't think so. Is it about getting your family out of an adverse situation? I believe that has to be the nucleus of the majority of, and I'm speaking primarily to African-American athletes in college. So um, do you need money to do that? Yes, you do. And one could debate and get to an endless debate saying, well, if you get your education, your degree can help pull your family out of a, out of a certain situation. I don't know if we're here for that conversation today, Walker, but that's part of the reason I, I disagree about Tebow is, is because I, I feel like, He's clouded his own judgment based off of his own personal experience and not really opening his mind to, you know, the curiosity of what majority of these black athletes have to do deal with in college. Uh-huh. Is it fair to say the majority, Walker? Um, yeah. Okay. So, so that... It, in a nutshell, that can't quantify it or have the data, but we can, we can, we can assume. Right. So, in a nutshell, like that's kind of that's kind of part of my disagreement with with Tebow. Um, another interesting fact, Walker, <laughs> and I don't know where all these thoughts are coming from, but uh, the Athletic did this three part video series on Alabama football, right? Where they go behind the scenes, they show you all the stuff or whatever. Well, part two um, chronicled Nick Saban, so. Uh, it was interesting in hearing Saban talk, you know, they, they went to his multi-million dollar mansion on the river. Um, they showed him on his boat. They shut, they show his garage doors opening with several Mercedes Benz, you know, <laughs> precisely parked in the garage. And you, you hear Saban talk about what everything means to him. Right. You talk about his desires. You talk about things that he values. And I don't recall hearing much about the players, right? Mm. It's it's essentially about his motives, his narrative, what he wants to do, the way he sees it fit, right? So for Tebow to challenge the notion of it being all about the players, well, let's go and interview some of these coaches too, you know, who who may have something in common to what Tebow says in, in thinking that their success is all about them because let's talk, let's keep it local. Let's talk SEC football coaches here, Walker. You know a group of coaches that are more egotistic than these guys? Hmm. So yeah. how, how are they different than the college athletes, athletes that they are dealing with on a week-in and week-out basis? Right. So you talk about learned behavior like we did before. What are these guys seeing at the top? That's all I'm saying. That that's a shot of the program that I like, but still, I mean, we're getting real here. So again, you talk about what I disagree with, with Tebow. Tebow, you need to look at the entire spectrum. He played for Urban Meyer. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> Should I say anymore? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, rest in peace, Aaron Hernandez. But where was Urban when <laughs> when you were on the on the stand fighting for your life? Yeah. I, what Tebow is trying to—I didn't, I didn't plan to go in like that. Oh, you did, and you know, we we thank you for that. Um, what Tebow and I, I'll say this, and we'll put a bow on this and move on—is that Tebow is trying to preserve false amateurism. Yeah, just to put a bow on it. Right. Tebow never had to worry about whether or not his family was okay. 
Right. He never had that in the back of his mind. He was always free to love Florida and play for his team and do all of that good stuff. Right? Right. But it's hard to focus on listen. I it, you're talking to someone, this is someone who came from a privileged background. Like I had scholarships at Auburn, but my family was supportive of me. But I also had friends who didn't have scholarship money, who was at Auburn, who was working jobs, going to class to pay their rent, to, to make sure they had food to eat. Sometimes didn't eat that much that day. Um, I had people who who were dope, just dope individuals for just figuring out how to navigate in a scenario where they had zero support right. coming from the house, right? And so when you look at players and see though they were on the they were on the higher end of people I knew in school. Right. Right? Those were the good ones. Yeah. The bad ex- the bad ones where they had like no emotional support, no available like you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, how do you expect that person to be dialed in when their personal issues back home and in their own life are screaming at them? Right. Players not able to eat and you know, it's just crazy type stuff. Crazy type stuff. And if we're going to argue about about paying these guys money and then diluting the sport, why do you think guys leave school early? Mm-hmm. Why do you think guys, the moment they get a chance to go to the league, they leave? These guys are playing for the dream and the, and the possibility of making it to the NFL. Right. It's always money related with them. These guys, listen, and I was, I was at the barbershop, made this point. When you go on recruiting trips, they're not they're they're showing they're bringing you to the athletic complex. They're showing you the stuff. You see walls and murals of of former players and what they're doing in the NFL. You mean to tell me they're not pitching to you that you can be the next one and be on this wall and make millions and represent? These guys are playing for something well beyond the university. They're going, in fact, they're coming to your university and not HBCUs like we talked last episode is because they feel that this is their way out of their situation. Not the university is not the end. Okay. It's some for many of them. It is the end, but it's not the end in their in terms of their dreams. They're trying to get to the league. They're trying to make millions. They're trying to get their mama out themselves out their brothers out their sisters out they're playing for something bigger than what the university is willing to provide them so to say that it's all genuine and we love team and sport and all of that is a false notion absolutely because the moment those guys eligibility get to a place to where they can declare they're gone and they never look back at the university to try to finish their degree right so i hear you tebow i'm happy for you but it's your fault you didn't get uh, collect on your jersey sales, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Not that you could, but my thing is, if you had a, such a big problem with it, take the money and give it to charity. There you go. You were supporting missions. You was doing all that stuff. You can support that. But don't deny other people who could really help their families and help other people closely related to them because you think we should be in love with university and team. Oh, they're still in love with team, but trust and believe when they leave that school and they need to provide them for themselves, the team ain't going to be there for them. There you go. So that's all I got on that. Gotcha. Well put Walker. Thank you, sir. All right, Walker, you know how we like to wrap these episodes up. Um, shout outs. Oh, excuse me. No, you, you, you said it right. No, 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 I didn't. What? But the critically acclaimed <laughs> shout outs and player of the week. And critically acclaimed. I got you. Got to get them right, man. Sorry. 
So um, if you're new to the podcast, a shout outs are simply put, we um, we verbally celebrate people who are doing dope things. And for play of the week, we, <laughs> in our own kind of way, ridicule those who are not, <laughs> who, who probably should be better citizens. But anyway. Yeah. Um, all right, Walker, we got shout outs up. Uh, you want to kick us off or you want me? I will kick us off. Thanks, Walker. So my shout out goes to two women who are Clark Atlanta grads. Okay. Have you ever heard of Pinky Cole and Stacy Lee? I heard of them about an hour ago when we were doing our pre-production meeting. Uh, but before that, no. Okay. Pinky Cole is the founder of Slutty Vegan, which is in Atlanta. Okay. okay. Vegan restaurant. You got my attention, Walker. She is a uh, she's a she's a restaurant owner. Stacy Lee is another restaurant owner. They're both uh, Clark Atlanta grads, and they made a vow. They basically not even made a vow. They basically already did it. They helped pay off uh, college balances for thirty Clark Atlanta students. Wow! So this is what you call paying it forward, reaching back, giving back, and helping other people to achieve their dreams, accomplish their goals. And you know how it is, uh, you know, when you have your own business, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All you're trying to do is grow that thing and you take your profits, the money you got from it, and you invest back into your business so it can continue to grow and thrive. Well, these people decided that, you know what, we're going to pay it forward and help some other people. And so I just wanted to shout out, always like highlighting successful business owners. And I think if I'm in Atlanta, I'm looking up these two restaurants because I like, I like, I love it actually when we support businesses, not just because they're black, but because they're actually actively reinvesting back into our communities yes. and helping our young people. There's a lot of businesses we give our hard earned cash to that could care less about what we do as a community and what we're trying to accomplish. So I want to shout out. I don't have the name of the other restaurant, but Slutty Vegan, a very popular restaurant that opened up recently in Atlanta. I'm definitely going to willing to support them next time I'm in the area. I don't know if I even like the food, but I'm going to eat it <laughs> and purchase it and consume it because I want to keep I want to make sure those businesses that give back to our communities they continue to thrive. Absolutely. So I want to shout out those two individuals. Good job, ladies. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm going to shout out a business as well, a uh, bigger scale business, but uh, making a great uh, move forward in terms of uh, progressive okay. or progression, I should say. Um, you've heard of H&M. Okay. All right. Did you hear about their latest deal? No. All right. So... They are doing an official collaboration with a company, or excuse me, a clothing label based out of uh, South Africa named Montsho, M-A-N-T-S-H-O. Okay. Do, you, do you know what that means no. when translated? No. Black is beautiful. So <laughs> I'm shouting out H&M because All right. as, I, as I go through the sneak peek of this collaboration, there's a lot of daishiki type of action going on here, Walker. And, um, you know, I, I credit H&M because in, in thinking of their brand, I, I've, I, I'm, I, I don't fit the aesthetic of uh, their clothing, so I've never worn any of their clothing. But uh, judging from the outside looking in, it seems to be a very chic, a very clean, a very, um, very pointed clothing label, if you will. So I have to shout them out because it seems like they are getting themselves a little uncomfortable 
to be a little bit more progressive. So I know this is a ballsy move on their behalf as they as they fight to compete with the J. Cruz and the Gaps of the world. So um, they've been in the news for wrong reasons in the past. H and M has. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Well, that's coming straight from our fashion consultant Caesar Walker. So this means even <laughs> more knowing that um, they are collaborating with this clothing line. So um, definite shout out to H and M on that one. Okay. All right. So who played themselves this past week? Walker, mine is very, very light. <laughs> so I don't know how heavy yours is, but I kind of want to go first anyway, because mine is, I'm going to have to laugh through mine. Okay. Okay. Uh, Walker, allow me to introduce, uh, let me find his name here, Mr. Gavin Krim. You know him, right? Mm-hmm. I used to run together back in the day. Not hey. really. No, he's 19, so. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Nah, uh, Gavin is um, a U.S. Marine. Jesus, my goodness. When we were 19, he was... Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I hate to bring that reality to you. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, Gavin's a U.S. Marine. Uh, he's a resident of the beautiful state of Florida, which means you know he's not opposed to any type of foolishness. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Krim, Gavin Krim, Krim de la Krim, he went out for a night of drinking, uh, like a lot of people do. No harm in there, right? Um, but Mr. Krim uh, had a little bit too much to the point of him entering a home that of which he did not reside, um, breaking in, not really breaking in because the door was unlocked, but entering a home, trespassing. And upon rummaging the home for anything valuable, he gets bored and decides... I'm going to cook some breakfast. <laughs> I kid you not. Mr. Krim, you know, I, well, I, you don't, you don't drink, do you Walker? No, I, I, I don't drink nearly as much as I used to, but man, in my days of heavy drinking, man, once, once you get everything going, you, you find a waffle house or someplace to really throw down, right? Really get your appetite going. Uh, so I kind of understand Mr. Krim here. So he took matters into his own hands. Yeah, trespassed, broke into a house, and um, decided to cook himself some breakfast. So needless to say, when the people living there woke up and saw Mr. Krim cooking breakfast, he made a run for it. <laughs> uh, y'all know how the story ends. He was bacon apprehended. Was, bacon was almost done. <laughs> <laughs> he was apprehended by the uh, local authorities and... Um, could not really explain himself, but um, just did mention to the to the uh, law enforcement official that he encountered an uncontrollable urge of hunger. And listen, thieves <laughs> got to eat too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gavin, uh, as I read this article, it indicates that you're in jail. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Walker. If I'm going to jail, I'm doing something a little more serious and cooking breakfast. But uh, anyway, Gavin Krim, you are my player of the week. Okay. Well, uh, my player of the week, the person who played themselves, goes out to one Antonio Brown. Never heard of the guy. Never heard of the guy? Do tell. Well, just a recording ago. (laughs) Say this out, Cliff. (laughs) Just a recording ago, we were singing the praises of one Antonio Brown in terms of landing an opportunity with one of the more premier franchises, even though I've accused them of cheating in the past, uh, technicalities, who cares? Right. right? Minor technicalities. Minor. 
uh, the New England Patriots. What a difference a recording week makes, right? Because he is, you know, we thought that this was the greatest comeback story of 2019, but what we fail to realize, and the mistake we made, Gat, is that we thought the book ended right there. Right. But no, there were like three more chapters you had to read, right? We weren't even at the climax yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> so since then, Antonio Brown played a game with the New England Patriots. But it was right in the middle of uh, some information that came about in terms of uh, sexual assault. Is that correct? Correct. With a personal trainer, right? Right. Um, we're not going to get into all the details of it because we, we got to get out of here soon. But uh, that was pending. Um, I think they were in court for that. And I think he decided not to settle out of court with this individual. Correct. And so this came to light. Shortly after he agreed to sign on with the New England Patriots, right? Well, since then, uh, a second accuser came out. This person was a painter. I believe they agreed to paint a mural of him. Right. Which I don't know why you want a mural of yourself, but again, whatever. Walker, when you start making your millions, you'll understand. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, I don't have a million dollars. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um... (laughs) I don't, but okay, fair enough. Anyway, um, so since then, I think after the second accuser came out, I think it was the information came out that he actually sent her a text, yeah, threatening her, yeah, um, some very disparaging things that he said about uh, to this person, right? Right. Since then, Antonio Brown has been dropped. Well, it started with him losing his Nike deal. Right. He lost a Nike deal, which was very telling because Nike, Nike kind of wants to smoke. Yeah. It seems yeah. right. They took a They took a big chance with cap. Right. True. So Nike dropped him. And I was that's when I sent. I think I sent it to you. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, boy, here, here, here we go. The next day, I think it was the day after Nike dropped him. The Patriots dropped him. I don't know if it's the next day. The Patriots dropped him on Friday. Patriots dropped him on Friday. I thought Thursday was the Nike. It was, was either that, Wednesday was that or when Thursday. You sent me that? Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey. Whatever. <laughs> Same yeah. week. So today we're recording on a Sunday. He announced that he's no longer returning to the NFL and proceeds to blast one Robert Kraft. Yes. For violating his contract. Right. Right. He blasts people. Well, he blasts these next two people. Because of the fact that they've had allegations against them. Right. Ben Roethlisberger and then Shannon Sharp. And, and go ahead. Go ahead. That's really, I'm setting it up. Okay. You can, you can chime in on this okay. because I know, I know you're, you're chomping at the bit. I, I just set it up. You have some things you want to add to this. He, he went at, he went at Ben. He went at Shannon Sharp. He also went at Kraft too. Cause you know, Kraft is still under investigation for that foolishness. That was what, Florida. Okay. So he so, pointed that out as well. Right, right. And he, so he, he hit Kraft twice. Yeah, he hit Krafts. Okay. He, he hit Kraft two times with, I think, which were close range shots, right? Right. Um, while this is wild and while he, he, he seemingly has got this fish out of water type mentality, um, I do think AB's got a point. Okay. Okay. You look at Big Ben, who was accused of sexual assault in mm-hmm. Milledgeville, Georgia years mm-hmm. ago. I he, love this. Okay. 
He only had to sit four games. Uh-huh. And then he was back under center doing his thing, right? Uh-huh. Shannon Sharp, I'm not sure about any. What do you know about his situation? I never. I didn't even know he had a situation. Me neither. Okay, so we'll we'll move. We that know to the we side. know about Kraft's situation. We know about Kraft. We know about Big Ben. These are these are two men who obviously had some sexual activity that was unwarranted, but were able to restore their prominence. So mm-hmm. now you've got allegations hitting Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. and the narrative shifts a little bit. Oh, let's, yeah, oh, yeah, let's get rid of him. Mm-hmm. You know, so. While, while I may not be a huge fan of him taking shots, when I can sit and analyze the shots he took, I was I would definitely say, well, those are precise shots that were hitting the intended target. Now, may I finish? Absolutely, Walker. Here's why that's null and void, and I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> okay. Here's what Antonio Brown has failed to understand about himself, okay? People don't like you, Antonio Brown. That's the difference between you, Big Ben, Shannon Sharp, and Robert Kraft. People don't like you, right? You have jacked up your credibility. You have lost a total of $56 million in less than a year. Not that he was going to get $56 million total, but when you demand a trade from a team in which you was going to get 20 million, cut the fool with the Raiders in a well, highly publicized scenario where you chew out the GM in practice and call him a cracker, right? Lose 30 million, sign with the Patriots, make it all about you. And now these situations come up, you have no more equity. The reason why these things, and I'm not saying that it's fair, but you're not giving yourself much of a chance for people to even want to work with you or help you when these allegations come up. You've basically pissed off two franchises before even getting to New England, right? New England was last chance you, Gat. Yeah, that's true. In a sense. It was. So when this situation comes up, you don't tell New England about it, and you know there is a head coach on New England's team who's a pretty much a spitting image of a guy at Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah, they're common copies. They're sociopaths. You want to know why they're sociopaths? Because it doesn't have nothing to do with football. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> during an interview, during an interview in which he wanted to talk about anything but Antonio Brown, Bill Belichick got asked early and often about Antonio Brown to the point to where he just walked off from the interview, Right. Four hours later, Antonio Brown was cut. Right? Yeah. You have no equity. People don't like you. You have no one but yourself to blame for that, Antonio Brown. And if you had that equity, if if he was still a stealer and never sat out a game or sat out a season, got his contract, came to practice and did his thing, and these allegations came up, I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet, Gat that you probably would have the Steelers trying to work behind the situation to see if they can work something out. Right. I wouldn't see you as damaged goods today, but when you cut your tail all of 2019 and now these allegations come up, you're on your own, buddy. That's true. That's why, that's why you're not getting the Shannon Sharp treatment. That's why you're not getting the Big Ben treatment. That's why you're not getting the Robert Kraft treatment because you pissed off the wrong people. And anytime you piss off the wrong people... Doesn't matter if it's a 
no matter if it's a minor or major offense, you don't have allies at this point. And people gonna they're gonna rid themselves of you. So you played yourself. Finish him. <laughs> He's finished. <laughs> wow. Okay. Good point, Walker. And I'm pissed that I had to go shine and polish off the second award. Yeah, and this is crazy. It's crazy because we see this stuff transpiring. We're ready to cast him away, and then he lands the Patriots. Like, oh, okay, money move. Only no, it's, not, it's not a money move. Well, it never was a money move. Money. I, because we were enamored with New England and we forgot about the fact that he lost $20 million in the process. Right. Not money moves in monetarily, but money is in clutch move. Okay. Orchestrated move. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, but then less than a week later. Yeah. Um, can can I ask one question before we close out the recording? Okay. I'm not oh, sure Jesus, what. Here we go. What? Okay, I thought you was gonna head in another direction. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm no. Have you have we met before? Sometimes I ask myself that. <laughs> so, uh, question: I don't know what university Antonio Brown went to, but do you think they're there? They're going to be there for him during all these trips? <laughs> it's not for me. I, Tebow wants to know. It's not for me. <laughs> Tebow texted me. And he, he's asking me these questions. <laughs> I need to tell him something. Because we know he wasn't about himself in college. He was all about the university. <laughs> I'm just saying. You think they're going to be there for? Be mad. UPS is hiring. Thank you. <laughs> well, Walker, man, great to be back in the booth, guy. Great to be back with you as well, even though it's only for a week. I know. <laughs> but we're going to do, we, we, we got something yeah, to talk. We so do. all good. Keep it locked, actually, if you're listening. So. Listen, uh, again, thanks again for listening, you guys. Again, check us out on social media at The Tipping Point at, on Instagram as well as Twitter. And uh, again, have a great week, prosperous week. This is The Tipping Point Podcast.